Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Off the Post, the Post Media Hockey Podcast. I'm Paul Chapman, joined by national hockey writer Mike Trakos, um, who is refreshed after an early morning trip back from the NHL GM's meetings in Florida while the rest of the country struggles with winter. Mike, um, we will get into that later in our third period, but I'm, I assume you're doing well. Yeah, um, you know, it's always nice to kind of beat the cold and I was hearing it was pretty cold last couple of days in Toronto. So, uh, yeah, sunny Florida and Boca Raton uh, wasn't a bad place to be spending the last few days. Yeah, funny how Edmonton and Winnipeg are never candidates to hold the GM <laughs> or Board of Governors meetings. But, Isn't uh, that funny? <laughs> yeah, it is funny. Uh, but works for those who have to cover them. So we will also talk about the East versus the West playoff races. Uh, and it, actually just conference standings. There's some stuff that intrigues me there in the second period. But, Mike, we're going to start – with the Leafs. Um, again, I always say this, we want these podcasts to have longevity beyond a day or two and really take sort of a, a broad uh, look at things. But uh, the Leafs were here in Vancouver last night. They were, you know, previously in Alberta. And yes, the Leafs lost last night in a comeback uh, win for the Canucks, which uh, on its face, you know, on any given night, you you do get upsets in the NHL. Um, but man, this this. This atmosphere, which we've all been used to when the Leafs cross the country, that they have all the support in the other buildings, uh, it just seems amplified right now, obviously, because the team is good. How Does this hurt the Leafs? Does it help them to have that support? Is, there too, is it too much pressure? It seems like every game is a big game for the Leafs when they, they come out west. Oh, I can't imagine how it would hurt them, Paul. Um, you're right. There's pressure, but I think there's pressure whenever you're, you're putting on that jersey. Um, it's an original six team. It's a team that hasn't won a cup since 1967, and it's a team that probably has the biggest market um, in terms of interest and uh, fan support in the NHL. So obviously there's inherent pressure, but you know you go into Calgary and a fourth line forward like Tyler Ennis gets a hat trick, and all of a sudden you see hats actually on the ice, and um, you hear um, just the crowd support um, when they went to Vancouver. Um, it's, that's gotta be a boost. Um, I don't know how any of that can be a disadvantage. So, you know, for years it was almost like the Leafs were getting that support and it was unwarranted. Now it's actually warranted. This is a good team. It's an exciting team to watch. I think, um, whether even if you're, um, in Carolina or Florida, um, just, you know, just being at the GM meetings, let's be honest, 
um, talking to a lot of friends, whether they're at ESPN or NHL.com. There's a lot of talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs just from a, an aesthetic standpoint. Like there's a lot of people asking um, about Mitch Marner's season, uh, how good Austin Matthews can be, um, the effect that John Tavares has had on the team. Um, there's there's unprompted um, just talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, that I'm hearing, and you know that that's a that's a good sign of where this team is and where it's headed. So I will I will play the typical Westerner here. Um, you know there is a lot of hatred for a lot of things Toronto out here, and and some of it's good natured, but I'll also say that some of it is well founded in the fact that the national sports networks at TSN and Sportsnet whether they're good, bad, or indifferent, shove the Leafs. And consequently, also, when when they're not talking Leafs, Raptors and Jays down everyone else's throat. And if you're in markets like Winnipeg or Calgary, where the teams are very good, and you go to TSN's homepage or Sportsnet's homepage, and you see eight Leafs articles and maybe one on the Jets or one on the Flames, I can see why people get pissed off. But mm -hmm. once again, is this not great for the league to have, or especially in Canada, to have a villain? As much as people love the Leafs in Toronto, while they're disliked everywhere else, it gives you some reason to watch, and that's got to be great for hockey. Yeah, well, you look at the Yankees in baseball, and you know, granted, the Yankees have had uh, a winning tradition and winning success, but um, you talk to any other market, and are you comparing the, the Yankees to the Leafs, Mike? I'm comparing them in terms of popularity and just yeah, uh, yeah not not championships, of course. Well, you look at the merchandise sold, like, and you're talking about. Uh, uh, interest in terms of TV interest and um, just like I said, fan support. Like it doesn't matter what city you go to, um, you find Leaf fans in every market, and that's similar to what I guess the Yankees go through. Where you know, like I go to a lot of baseball games in the summer, and whenever the Yankees are in town, it, it's hilarious just how many um, pinstripe jerseys there are in the crowd. And granted, obviously, I know the Yankees have had current success and historic success, and that's. Uh, the Leafs have had one and not the other, but it's very similar. Um, this is a popular team. It doesn't matter if you are from Toronto or not. Um, the Leafs push the needle in a way that the Jets don't and the Calgary Flames simply don't. And, you know, talking to, like, I've got a lot of friends, like I said, in the States, uh, working for ESPN and NHL.com, and they said it's without fail. If they write a story um, on the Leafs, it's going to do great numbers, whereas as good as the Calgary Flames and as good as the Winnipeg Jets or even when the Ottawa Senators were good, yeah, you can't say the same about any of those markets. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, it doesn't matter how good the Flames are this year. They just don't push the needle, not even close to how the, uh, the Leafs have pushed the needle. But Montreal and Toronto, um, they do well. Um, they do well in Canada. They do well in the States. And I think they do well across the world. Like This is a known team. Um, maybe it's because it's the original six. Maybe because... Toronto's such a big market, um, both on a media scale and from just a population scale. But um, yeah, it's it's good that the NHL has a villain, like you said. I, I you know what? But but I'm also hard pressed to say that the NHL that the Leafs are a villain. Like uh, I know in Vancouver, in it must Canada. feel that way. Yeah, in, yeah. But I don't even know if that's true in in all parts of Canada. Like I, I don't know if I, I if I totally buy into that. That villain role, like if they are felt that way in in Calgary, or if they're felt that way uh, in Winnipeg, um, they're definitely not felt that way in the states. Um, just from anecdotally, just talking to people, but yeah, in, in Vancouver, you know, there's always that that feeling like Vancouver is the little brother that doesn't get respect, but 
Um, <laughs> I, I don't think it's mutual. I don't think Toronto fans hate the or have a hatred for the Canucks. I don't know if it's just we don't care about the Canucks, but um, I have a, I certainly have a respect for what Elias Peterson is doing and. Um, I know when the talk is shifting towards when uh, the Canucks were good, uh, I didn't feel that same sort of animosity, at least uh, not anecdotally amongst friends or colleagues. Well, normally, Mike, I'm just asking you for your opinion and playing sort of the host role here, but I will interject that I think that, yeah, in the States, I don't think the Leafs are are all that relevant because they haven't been great. Um, In Canada, I think, again, it's the saturation of coverage and you say you don't know if there's that hatred in Calgary and Winnipeg. Well, there will be after we pump up your comments that saying that they don't move the needle, but the Leafs do. <laughs> but oh. I did. <laughs> Fair enough. I did want to make a. Yeah, I did want to make a point here. Um, look, it, I have friends here who have season tickets, and there have been many times over the last three, four years where they can't give tickets away. Oh, it's the Coyotes on a Wednesday night. You know, no one wants to go. You can get tickets for ten dollars on StubHub. Leaf fans have supported this team for decades when there's been no hope the building's always sold out there's always a voracious appetite there's arguments to be had about the Leafs I honestly do think that they're the best hockey fans in Canada um and it doesn't pain me to say that as a Westerner but I wanted to ask you how that's now setting up for the playoffs this is we've talked about it all season bringing John Tavares in was sort of that final piece that you were going to have that expectation on top of the growth of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and you got Nylander back under contract, the whole Babcock experiment has kind of been building to this. We're just making the playoffs and hoping for the future is enough anymore. What is the atmosphere like in the city and how do you think this team is stealing itself for this run for the playoffs? Well, there's a pressure um, that's boiling uh, under the surface here. And you know what? Once they got John Tavares, I, I said this all along, the goalposts have shifted. Um, it's no longer good enough just to make the playoffs and go out in the first round, or maybe even it's not even good enough to get to the second round and go out. Um, I think once you get John Tavares and once you've got a team that's got Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, William Nylander, let's include Morgan Riley to that equation and Frederick Anderson, um, this is a team that's built to win a championship. And it might not be this year, but I think you have to see some growth in the playoffs. And you know, similar to what Winnipeg was able to do last year, where they reached the conference final um now i think the goalposts have shifted in winnipeg as well i think it's no longer good enough just to get into the playoffs and um maybe it's not even good enough to get to the second round i think they have to get to the conference final again and um perhaps even get to a stanley cup final it's just that natural evolution and growth in uh pro sports um so you know i i'm almost hard pressed to see who's got the the bigger um, sort of stress going into this playoffs. If it's the Leafs or if it's the Jets or maybe it's even the Flames who um, have been good all along and maybe the most consistent team in Canada uh, all season long. But um, definitely that's getting ramped up. And I don't, I don't know if to say I, I feel it right now um, just watching the Leafs, but you could tell that there's a different energy and there, there's just a different kind of uh, atmosphere around this team where um, they are gearing up for the Boston Bruins who look like, According to Kyle Dubas, it's a 90% chance the Leafs are going to face the Bruins. And if that's the case, it's not a good matchup um, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And yet, there's no excuses anymore. You've got John Tavares. You're paying Austin Matthews um, basically almost like Connor McDavid money. Um, The expectation is with those two guys, um, with all the other pieces I mentioned, is that this team should go far and it should go deep. And it's time now to just do it. So last night, Overtime game, 
Leafs first time all season, I believe it's now 32 and one uh, when they're leading in the, in the third period that they blow a lead. Um, I've heard the goals described as soft uh, concerns about the Leafs defense or goaltending, or is this just one of those games in a long NHL season, Mike? Yeah, there are concerns. There's legitimate concerns about that defense. And there were concerns before Jake Gardner went down with an injury and Travis Dermott joined him on the injured list. Uh, this is a team that should have added a defenseman at the trade deadline. And the fact that they did it and now injuries are popping up on the back end, well, Leafs have no one to blame but themselves. Um, they should have done something. And the fact that they didn't uh, is definitely cause for concern uh, going into the playoffs. And you know, after the game, we heard Mike Babcock say that Frederick Anderson's probably going to play, or I think he said definitively he's going to play 56 games. And if you look at the numbers, that basically means that he's going to split the rest of the season with Garrett Sparks, who hasn't been good as a number two this year. Um, it's definitely a step down from what they had a year ago. And normally you say, well, who cares? It's your, it's your backup goalie. But you know, Frederick Anderson really has to be um, a Vezina-type goalie for this team. Um, I think Toronto's allowing something in the top five in terms of um, shots against per game. And that's not a good number. That means that your goalie is under duress most of, uh, uh, most of the season. And, you know, Sparks has looked like a goalie that just can't handle that amount of rubber, whereas Anderson has played well for most of the year. And you know, now maybe now we're seeing it uh, with that Vancouver game last night. Um, the fact that, you know, he's allowing a soft goal here and there, uh, whereas he wasn't doing it quite as much earlier in the season. But uh, I'd definitely be concerned because, you know, it's no surprise. Like the Leafs have the horses up front where they can score their way out of trouble probably more times than not. But, you know, that defense isn't up to snuff. And, you know, as the season goes on, as the playoffs ramp up, you're going to get tighter defensive games. And if the Leafs defense is failing and if Anderson looks like he's a bit beat up, that's a recipe for failure. Um, it's going to be fun watching that the rest of the way for sure. We'll end the first period there and we're going to come back and talk about maybe some of the teams, Boston uh, and the other teams in the mix in the East. Uh, we'll be right back with the second period. How's it going? I'm Dave Breckenridge. I'm the host of 10.3, Post Media's Canadian News Podcast. In every episode, we take a deeper look at major stories happening in Canada, talking with journalists who are on the ground from newsrooms across the country. So once Off the Post has you up to date with the latest in the hockey world, be sure to subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. That's 10.3, Canada's News Covered. Welcome back to the second period off the post podcast. Um, Mike, we were just talking and we've talked about this the last few weeks, actually, about the differences between East and West. Look, there's no doubt Vegas looks like there'll be a handful. We know about the quality in Nashville. You got Winnipeg, you got Calgary, San Jose. Um, they're all kind of plodding along, not playing poorly, but, you know, not really stringing a ton of wins together, but getting the job done. And there's still lots of time to so-called flip the switch and, and be in prime condition come the playoffs. But I look at the East and I'm scratching my head. I mean, we've talked about Tampa Bay's dominance. They're still 9-1 and one in their last 10. Um, Washington now has won five in a row, maybe starting to get the hunger back as the playoffs come about it. You know, the Islanders have slumped off a little bit, but they have been one of the hottest teams in the NHL in the second half. Now here come these bunch of jerks, Carolina Hurricanes. Um, they're 8-1-1 one one in their last 10. The Bruins we talked about, 9-0-1 oh in their last 10. I don't think Tuukka Rask has lost in regulation in 2019 yet. Um, 
you know, the Leafs, okay, they have struggled, struggled a little bit more lately. And you have Pittsburgh who's been on a little bit of a roll. Is this a function of maybe, I don't even know if it's more parity in the West, but why do we have so many like just juggernaut teams in the East right now? It is strange. And as you're asking that, I was about to come up with the reasons saying, you know what, as strong as the East is, the West is just as strong. But then you mentioned all those numbers and you're right. Um, I was doing like power rankings the night before and uh, I couldn't believe like Boston hadn't lost in, in regulation. And like you said, uh, I think it was like well, Tuka Rast in this year, but yeah, just in general, um, they've gone almost, I think, seven weeks without a regulation loss. And um, you're right, there are a lot of surging teams right now in the East. Um, I, I don't know how to put my finger on it. Uh, the only thing I'd say is there's a lot of bad teams in the East as well. Like maybe it's easy to beat up on the Ottawa's and the New Jersey and Detroit um, and the Rangers and teams of that ilk, but it, it is strange. And, you know, any of those teams that you mentioned, maybe not, I don't know, I'm not sold on the Islanders and same thing with Carolina, but uh, I would put well, Washington, Pittsburgh, and as as much as Pittsburgh has struggled, I'll put them in that equation. But Washington, Pittsburgh, uh, um, Boston, Tampa, and Toronto, uh, those are five teams that legitimately could win a cup. And um, I, I don't really have an answer for it. Um, they're, they're just really good offensive teams, and they all kind of do it differently. Like, you can't say anymore that the East is you know, smaller, skilled. Um, they have that kind of characteristic and the West is just bigger and tougher. Like that's out the window. Washington can play one way and Tampa can play another and the Leafs can play uh, another kind of style and all three have been successful this year. So I don't know what the the reason for it is. It's just, there's a lot of good teams in the East. And that being said, once we start talking about the West, I'm probably going to come up with another four or five teams that I consider legitimate Stanley Cup uh, favorites as well. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had fun with the Carolina storyline all year, and I, I have to admit, I didn't see this coming. You know, eight one and one in their last ten, um, and the big losers may be Columbus, who, as we know, a week ago we were talking about the trade deadline. Well, look, they went all in and they said this is it. They sit outside of a playoff spot now. They're five and five in their last ten. I mean, they may have just you know given up on on getting returns back from their unrestricted players and ending up on the outside looking in because that separation is there's really Columbus is really the only team there I think the Flyers are too far out of it right now but I'm looking at these playoff matchups in the east and I mean again the Leafs are considered an elite team and who, you look at what Boston's gonna, doing. sorry to cut you off but who do you think is going to be the that odd man out do you, do you think Columbus um stays where it I, is I, or do you think Carolina is going to fall out I think I think Columbus is going to miss out. I really do. Um, wow! I just think what, what when, you, when you've got miss out on. oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's a great storyline, especially with <laughs> you just want to see the world burn, the don't you? <laughs> well, look, I would love. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I you know I know that as Canadians, and we haven't seen a Stanley Cup in Canada since '93. Um, there's this desire to have team or markets that value hockey win. But I think when you look at what's happened in Nashville, I think it's fantastic that you you build hockey cultures in places like Columbus. Man, you wish it would happen in Carolina. I mean, they've won a cup, and that didn't really stick there. Whether it ever will, I don't know. Um, but I, I think having new franchises in and building some stuff, that's why I loved what the Hurricanes were doing with their celebrations. Don Cherry and all these other stick-up-the-ass traditionalists be damned. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think it's, again, it's fun to watch. You talk about the Leafs, whether... You know, whether what people, you're right. If they don't like Calgary, 
they're probably not going to watch a game to see the Flames lose in the playoffs, but they will watch the Leafs if they want to see the Leafs lose. And I think that that kind of emotional attachment to a game, whether you want to see what Carolina does to celebrate afterwards, I think that's great. I just, I think you're playing with fire when you have in Columbus some unrestricted free agents who have been very clear they don't want to play there. I just wonder if they have, right at their core, I wonder if they have the heart to to get to be in a dogfight with an organization they don't really want to be with down the road. And as we talked about in the East, this competition is fierce, Mike. And you talk about, yeah, here's Pittsburgh. Their point total is not great, but look at the talent. You know come the playoffs, no one wants to play Pittsburgh in the first round. No, can you imagine Tampa Bay winning um, like the President's Trophy as the best team in the NHL and having to face Pittsburgh where, you know, they can just flick a switch and Crosby goes Absolutely. into Conn Smythe Trophy mode and Malkin wakes up and all of a sudden Kessel, who's just been uh, cold all season, um, just snaps to it and they just go on that run again. And you know, that, that could be a team that goes from being an eighth seed to reaching the Stanley Cup final. And I don't think anyone would be surprised because you're going, well, you just mentioned it. It's Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, and Matt Murray in that. Of course they're going to be good. Um, so that, I think that would be the fear if I'm Tampa Bay. I'm saying, you know what? Maybe hopefully Columbus can sneak in and be that final wildcard team. And but if, yeah, if I'm, you know, I don't even want to face Montreal if I'm Tampa Bay because they've got Carey Price. Like there's, it, you, I I love the first round. You probably feel the same way, I'm sure, Paul. Just that any matchup, it can be a disaster. Like over in the West, it's probably different because I don't think whether it's Minnesota or Dallas or Colorado, they're not knocking off Nashville or Calgary. But the East is so strong right now where. You know, being a wild card team, um, I could see any of those knocking off whoever wins the Metro or the Atlantic because we're talking about whether it's the Penguins, the Canadians, or the Blue Jackets, or uh, possibly the Hurricanes who are just kind of on fire and playing with house money. So it, it really does pose some uh, nasty matchups. And that's why I kind of laugh when people say in Toronto, oh, you got to face the Bruins. Oh, this this sucks. And it's like, yeah, but... Who would you rather face if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs? Would yeah. you rather play Tampa? Would you rather play Montreal and Carey Price? Would you rather play any other team in this uh, conference? Like, there, there really isn't an easy matchup in my mind. Well, and I guess that's the dream for the NHL is you want these big matchups. You want people to be excited about. I mean, I think last year was a the Vegas story was one that captivated people all the way through. But whether it's the hockey pool effect or or, or something else, we've been used to like, oh, the playoffs are here. The first round's great. Second round, maybe not bad, but unless there's a Canadian team in it, it seems like the ratings just fall off a cliff the later you get in the playoffs, whereas the NBA, baseball, even especially the NFL, the deeper you get in the playoffs, the more interest there is, whereas hockey seems to be the converse. But if I, again, you're absolutely right. I look at these matchups and there's so many intriguing matchups in, in the East. Now, you know, I still think that we can, I, I think Calgary and Winnipeg are both will be fascinating teams if they have that success. But you consider what the St. Louis Blues have been this year. Nashville, again, I love the atmosphere and I love their players. I, I I really like the talent on Nashville. San Jose, I think, is a great story. And and you know, I'm sure people in Ottawa are interested to see what Eric Carlson does there. And then where does that lead him on? Like if they go, that's another great storyline in the playoffs. If the Sharks really build and get close, does Carlson resign because he's part of a good thing, or is it like, ah, well, it didn't work here and I'm gonna go somewhere else? So I look, these are setting up to me to be the most interesting playoffs in a long time. I just look at this disparity and go, the East has a couple of several t trains that are just steaming down the track. Meanwhile, the West are just sort of bouncing around and I guess waiting for the playoffs to begin. Yeah, but you know what? 
I, I know they're just not as deep probably in the West, but I would take any of those top four or five teams that you just mentioned, whether it's the Sharks, uh, the Jets, the, the Preds, or you know the Flames or even the Golden Knights, and put them against the best teams in the East. Like That's how deep um, the league is right now. And especially, you know, I think we haven't mentioned is that the West probably won the trade deadline. When you talk about who improved their team, um, substantially, um, it all came uh, with the exception of Columbus. Obviously, it all came out of the West. Like obviously, Tampa didn't touch the roster, neither did Montreal or Toronto. But you look at the improvement that the Golden Knights have made up front with the addition of Mark Stone and that team. Um, as long as the chemistry is there, like they've got two solid lines. Uh, in addition to you know Mark Andre Fleury, I think has posted back to back shutouts and. They got a solid defense. And then you look at, um, sorry, what San Jose's done with getting Gustav Nyquist and um, I can't remember what other move they made, but they, uh, that's another team that's looked pretty well. Um, and then Nashville um, getting Wayne Simmons, uh, getting Michael Granlin. Like, um, there's some substantial improvements that happened over in the West that we might see um, not right now, but come playoff time, that could be the difference maker, especially in a Stanley cup final where you're, you're relying on that depth and scoring and, you know, like your top line gets shut out by the other team's top line and you're relying on that second or third line. Well, that's where a guy like maybe Wayne Simmons or Granlin or Gustav Nyquist for San Jose uh, could really come into play. Yeah. And the thing with San Jose is their home record is so good. They're tied with the, the lightning, only five losses at home. Um, so for them, you know, maybe climbing up the standings a bit and ensuring they get a little better seating in the West would be a big thing. Um, that's great stuff, Mike. I'm, I'm, I'm so fascinated as we get close to the playoffs, what these matchups are going to be and, and see how teams are jockeying for those positions. We'll come back now with the final period. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, what was going on in the general managers meetings and some other stuff around the league. How's it going? I'm Dave Breckenridge. I'm the host of 10-3, Post Media's Canadian News Podcast. In every episode, we take a deeper look at major stories happening in Canada, talking with journalists who are on the ground from newsrooms across the country. So once Off the Post has you up to date with the latest in the hockey world, be sure to subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. That's 10-3, Canada's News Covered. Welcome back to Off the Post, Post Media's hockey podcast. So, Mike, maybe quite notable that there wasn't a ton of news when the general managers got together. Of course, the trading is done. Maybe there's some groundwork being laid for the offseason. I was a little bit intrigued to see, I know Calgary was complaining about some of the officiating. Um, I don't know if that's jockeying again come the, the playoffs are going to be here soon you're trying to plant some seeds about how your players are being treated but uh was there much of significance going on down in florida not a whole lot and you know paul that maybe that's a good thing because you know in past gm meetings this is a time where there's a lot of art um just kind of i don't know like there's there's some contentious issues that are always brought up at this time of year like last year it was on coaches challenges and what is and what isn't goal to goaltender interference and there's that huge gray area and um the nhl actually made a, a provision saying okay we're going to add an off-ice official to the war room up in toronto and he's going to help uh, decide um what is goal interference and we're not going to be looking for um all the minutiae we're just going to call it um sort of plain and simple almost black and white and and years prior to that it was concussions it was goalie equipment being too big this year <laughs> the, the, the big topic was if a player's helmet comes off during play, he's got to leave the ice. And 
you know, that goes to show just kind of the, the place that we are in the NHL where, you know, scoring's up. Um, I think everyone is fast, just enamored with the speed and the skill on display. Um, and there's not a whole lot of problems. Like maybe Connor McDavid, um, as Ken Hitchcock has been kind of complaining about all year, um, is getting a little bit uh, hooked and held behind the play. Um, maybe guys like Goudreau are getting slashed and held up too. And um, th- there is some sort of confusion still over um, headshots and whatnot. But it's not egregious enough where the, any of them were hot button issues. And like I said, maybe that's a good spot uh, that the Leafs, uh, sorry, that the league is in right now. I did see a little bit of discussion. Maybe it was more media generated around shootouts. Um, and you and I had talked about this sort of off the pod a little bit or a couple of weeks ago. There seem to be less shootouts in the NHL this year. You don't see them anywhere near as much. Obviously, the changes they've made to overtime have made that more open, so you do see more games decided that way. Um, I wonder. I really wonder where this is going because, you know, when the shootout first came in, it was sort of purists versus uh, new fans or younger fans, whatever it was. People did seem to be energized by it. It was excited. They get out of the seat. But now they seem to be really not embraced by the fan at all. So... Any, are you hearing any talk on that, on the future of how games are decided? Yeah, I heard John Tortorello's comments, uh, I guess that was a week ago, where he said that he'd rather just kind of go four and four until the guys basically drop dead. And I'm with John Tortorello. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, on, I'm not with him on uh, most topics, but this one I can agree with. But uh, no, no, th- that wasn't brought up. They didn't look at that. Um, they looked at some other stuff, whether it was, um, taking away um, ROWs as a tie-breaking format, which are just the regulation uh, wins. And again, there wasn't appetite for that. I, I got the sense that the, the Leafs, or sorry, the, I keep saying the Leaf, the, the league didn't want to tinker too much. And, you know, I think it's, they looked at some things just trying to maybe improve along the fringes. But I think there comes a time when they say, you know what? Let's not make change for the sake of change. Um, let's let this play out because, like, I don't like again. I don't know about you, but uh, when I watch the, the league right now and uh, the games on TV, I find very little uh, to complain about these days. Like, man, the skill on display is just amazing. the The youth um, has brought a, a level of speed and creativity that I don't think we've seen before uh, on a wide scale. Um, just an effect like it's not just one or two players it's not just mcdavid or matthews or Patterson. it's like it seems like every team has got one of those guys or maybe multiple guys and uh, i think the gms are um acknowledge that as well and you know maybe this is maybe this is a sign of you know we can kind of rest a little right now and just let it play out yeah the um Again, it's great news that there's no burning issue. I mean, even this year, we haven't had a lot of the big player safety issues. I mean, yeah, that noted goon in Edmonton, Connor McDavid, has had the biggest uh, <laughs> the biggest issue in recent memory over player safety. But it's something that maybe, you know, you hear talk about, well, the players should have more respect for each other or the officials aren't calling this. It seems like even that, where we haven't seen the headshots, we haven't seen the scary uh, injury incidents like we've seen in the past. And I was talking to one of our columnists here in Vancouver, Ed Willis, and he was talking about how low a profile uh, Donald Fair is keeping with the union. Now, maybe that's strategic, or maybe it's just that things are actually smooth. Uh, you know, it's smooth sailing. There's not confrontation. We all know that there's a significant chance of a work stoppage coming up. But 
the idea that no news is good news at this point. The NHL just seems to be in a really good place right now. Yeah, and in regards to uh, Don Fair and the upcoming CBA, the NHL did say that um, well, they're, they've continued talks. Um, they're not ready to characterize it as you know we're close to um, I don't know, extending the CBA or drafting a new collective bargaining agreement, or that there definitely won't be a lockout. But you know, it just seems like it's status quo. Um, I think a lot of people are just kind of trying to read the tea leaves right now and say, like, oh, if Don Fair and the NHL aren't openly talking about oh, issues right now, does that mean that things are getting good? Well, well, let's wait off on, let's wait on that because, you know, typically in these kind of negotiations, we don't see uh, the the deal actually getting done until the 11th hours. But, you know, it seems like <laughs> there's very, very little to nitpick about right now. And, you know, as a, as a journalist who loves criticizing, <laughs> it puts you in a real bad <laughs> spot. Well, yeah, I mean, but that, that's sort of, I guess we're, again, maybe it's strategic, but normally if there's some real storms coming up ahead, there's some saber rattling and posturing going on. It just seems, I don't know, maybe this is where the bombshell comes is that it, things are just seem too stable and too good right now. Yeah. And you know what? And the playoffs are going to really test that out too. Like, yeah. All it takes is one missed call or one big hit, um, one you know, goal interference uh, penalty that doesn't get called, and everyone's up in arms. And maybe that's it. We just haven't seen it. Like we recall last year, um, really the impetus for all the kind of moaning and complaining about the coaches' challenges in regards to goal interference was there was a missed call in Edmonton that was on a Connor McDavid goal where McDavid was openly upset. And there was the one against the Toronto Maple Leafs where Austin Matthews um, thought he got robbed on a goal. And then when he scored a few minutes later, um, did the the motion for a good goal. And it, it sort of became a meme, uh, meme for you know the rest of the season and got mocked and kind of copied at the All-Star game. And had it not been Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid, had it not been the Leafs or the Oilers, maybe there wasn't going to be that sort of... Um, widespread criticism uh, about how that goal interference and coaches challenges was going down because no one would have cared had it been Carolina or the New York Islanders, but because it was the Leafs and the Oilers and because it was McDavid and Matthews, it became a bigger issue than it probably has been. So, you know, sometimes that that's really kind of where it all starts is um, it happens in the national spotlight. It happens in a playoff game or it happens with a star player like a Sidney Crosby and, um, maybe this year we've kind of escaped that where none of the star players or the big teams have been involved in anything egregious. Um, one last thing to talk to you about before we go is uh, seeing the headlines the last couple of days on Steve Eiserman. Now, um, you know, I think it was could certainly be classified as shocking news when he, he stepped away from the general manager's position in Tampa Bay uh, prior to the season doesn't seem to slow them down any uh having their their best season ever um apparently eiserman's still been very involved in a lot of things uh in tampa and obviously is the architect of of where they're at right now but you know everyone's making the the leap to to uh detroit of course we do have an expansion team in um seattle which is still sort of i'm sure they have a plan you hear the names suggested out there uh what do you think will happen to steve eiserman in the end and how much like how have tampa been able to navigate this whole situation with him it's just it seems kind of odd to have such success when 
it appeared like there was a major structural change going on. Yeah, you know, I, I had different theories about why he stepped down originally. I thought it was because they were going to lose uh, Breeze Baugh to another team in the same way that uh, the Predators lost Paul Fenton to the Minnesota Wild. Like, you could only be an assistant GM for so long before other teams start calling. And I think Kelly McCrimmon is with Vegas, who's the assistant GM, um, is going to be gone very soon, uh, whether it's to Seattle or Edmonton or another place. And I, I was convinced that was the only reason why Eisman was just stepping down. It was either, okay, we're going to either lose you or we're going to lose Breeze Bob, but one of you guys is going. Um, to find out that, you know what, uh, he wanted just to be closer to home and yet he hasn't really missed any uh, Tampa games in Tampa is surprising. It's like, okay, well, what is it? Um, but yeah, I imagine Eisenman is going to be very picky about where he um, gets his next job offer. And I think that's partially why he's probably still hanging around there is the fact that, you know, he probably could have gone to Edmonton right now if he wanted to. Um, but oh. if you think Tampa, <laughs> if you think Tampa's far from Detroit, well, Edmonton's a lot further in, yeah. uh, that's a lot more heavy lifting, especially with the cap kind of constraints that they have. Um, I imagine he's just waiting for Ken Holland to kind of, um, either leave for Seattle or just leave Detroit in in general. And Eisenman's going to slip into that role. But, um, I, I imagine he's had multiple offers, uh, across the NHL in terms of whether it's going to Philly, whether it's going to Edmonton or another team. And like I said, he's just being picky. And why not hang around in Tampa? This team could win a Stanley Cup this year. Why not? And with all the moves that he's made to put them in that position, don't you want to be around there to hoist the cup uh, before you actually go on to greener pastures? Absolutely. And he'll get a ton of credit for it either way. So, yeah, it's uh, I, I just I find it really interesting as we look at how dominant that Lightning team is. I mean, they're, they're a plus 81 right now in their goal difference. I think the next or a plus 85, something like that. And the next best team is only in their plus 40s. It's, uh, you know, they've got it going at both ends of the rink. They've built a good atmosphere there. And they, ha they have to be the favorite going in. But we talked all pot about, uh, about the strength in the East. And yet again, it's setting up for a great Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, and you're talking about, remember we were talking about villains. And does anyone not like, yeah. no one, no one's going to have a hate on for the Lightning. Like That's a team that's just doing it right. Um, a lot of their players, whether it's Kucherov or Andre Palat or, uh, Alex Kalorn, uh, they weren't top 10 picks. They weren't even first round picks. Um, a lot of these guys were just drafted and developed the right way. They play a, a great style um, that's pleasing to the eye. Um, there, there's no holes. I think John Cooper has got to be the most popular head coach uh, just because of how well he handles that media, um, just how charming he is really in, in terms of being a head coach. So, you know, <laughs> I, I don't root for any teams, but that's a team that I find very hard not to like. Well, we are going to make you a villain, Mike, when you basically said, screw Winnipeg and Calgary. It's all about Toronto. <laughs> no <so>. one cares. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I know you're in media business. You're watching those numbers very closely on every story you post. So I think that's, that's a good ind indication. Whatever does move the needle is what you do a follow-on. So I get where you're coming from. Um, thanks, Mike. Great stuff this week. Go get some sleep. I know it's been a hectic travel schedule, hectic week for you, and you got to rest up for the pod next week and for the playoffs drive. Awesome, Paul. Looking forward to our, our next podcast. I'll talk to you. All right. Everyone, you can download and listen to us. Uh, subscribe through Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a rating if you like it, and we will be back with another Off the Post for you next week.